worshiping with us today. We're starting a new series today and we're going to talk about being stretched. We're going to talk about the stretching that happens in every one of our lives. Today, you know, we can look back on all of the things that we see that has happened in our lives. We see the things that have happened in our church. We see the things that happened in our families. And we can see different times and different seasons where God has stretched us. So let me tell you, stretching is a good thing. Slap somebody and tell them stretching is a good thing. Look at your neighbor and say stretching is a good thing. It, stretching is a good thing. You see, we've got to get past this idea that anything uncomfortable is bad. Sometimes the very things that you and I deem as uncomfortable, those are things that are good that God can use to help change us and shape us. It's a challenge for us because we're stepping outside of comfortable. We're being stretched. So today we're going to talk about being stretched. But before we get into the message, I just want to tell you that every time we're stretched, it always makes room for growth. That's just what happens whenever you stretch. It makes room for growth. You don't believe me? Anyways, we're not going to go there. <clears throat> Anytime we get stretched, it makes room for growth. And God has been stretching us. And I want to tell you, there's been some very, very awesome things happen at Word of Grace over the past little bit that I just wanted to share with you for a minute. Um, it, as some of you may know, Easter service, we had some fantastic services. We broke all of our attendance records that day for those of you who didn't know, which it's not all about the numbers, but yet it is encouraging to see that many people come in the house of God and hear the message of salvation and that God can make beautiful things out of their past and their lives. Amen? So praise God for that. I mean, but, but, that, but that took a lot of work. It took a lot of stretching. It took a lot of hours. It took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of people volunteering to make it happen. It took us stretching ourselves beyond what was comfortable. And then we've even begun to see even our finances in our church are just doing very well. And I want to tell you, thank you so much for your faithfulness in your giving. And if you're not giving, I want to encourage you to do so because it's just such an awesome way for God to bless you and just open up the floodgates of heaven and pour blessing on you. And let me tell you, God has been blessing our church in so many different ways. We've seen a lot of new people come to our church. It's been absolutely fantastic. Whenever people come up to me and tell me, you know what, Pastor Derek, I don't know a lot of people that come to this service or that service. I think that's a good thing because it lets me know that new people are coming in and that means you need to get out and get to know other people, right? That means you need to get out and get to know other people, right? You see, the thing is, is that's stretching. It's stretching us beyond our little comfort zone, stretching us beyond our little group of people that we always like to see and hang out with. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to stretch ourselves to make room for growth. And we've done some other things to stretch ourselves to make room for growth. I wanted to give you guys an update on 180. Um, I've been uh, doing 180 for the past few months. And let me tell you, God has been doing amazing, amazing, incredible things in 180. As a matter of fact, I did this in first service. I'm going to do it again. If you help in 180, I just want you just to lift up your hand and hold it up. Uh, anybody that helps in 180? We've got one there. We've got a couple over there. And Mark back there. And back there, Carl, he helps in 180. And 
Thank you guys so much for what you do. We have an incredible youth staff, and I'm just going to brag on them for a minute because God has assembled this team. I didn't have to go after any of these guys. They just came to me wanting to help and wanting to be involved, and uh, some of them had a little encouragement from Pastor Mike and some, a few others, but I know that God has assembled such a great team that loves kids, loves teenagers, and we have been having incredible services at 180. As a matter of fact, I just want to tell you a quick story. Um, I did a series called The Exchange with the Teenagers uh, about a month, month or so back. And basically what it was, uh, was we put three minutes up on the clock and I got to ask them questions for three minutes. Anything I wanted to ask them and then after my three minutes was up, they got to ask me any questions they wanted for three minutes. And you know, at first it was real silly and they were asking me questions like, What's your blood type? What's your favorite color? You know, what's your favorite movie? You know, just dumb stuff. But it was fun, and and it was what we were doing. We were having an exchange, but they had to be quiet uh, whenever I was talking, and I had to be quiet while they were talking. We laid some ground rules, and they just started exchanging information. And then all of a sudden, a shift happened that night whenever we were doing the exchange. I said, okay, guys, let's get real serious here for just a second. What, what are some things that you guys are dealing with that we could talk about here at 180 that, you know, we, we could teach on? Or what are some things that you guys are interested in hearing about? All of a sudden, I get a, a shy little girl raises her hand and says, you know, hey, uh, what, about, what about bullying? Could you teach on that? You know, she just she didn't want to be the first one to raise her hand and say anything, but she did. And then that started a chain reaction because she stepped out and became the leader. And then the next one raises their hand and they said, could you teach about How do I know if I hear God's voice? How can I know if it's just not a thought in my head or if it's really God's voice? How can, can you begin to teach us about end time events because we see there's a lot going on in the world and we want to know what's up with all of that. Could you begin to teach about uh, predestination? I've heard a lot about that and I want to know, I want to know what's going on with, with predestination. What's that all about? Kids are asking these types of questions. And so I began to formulate a series, and I've been teaching them on these things. And these kids are literally, and I'm not just saying this, they're, they're, they're literally on the edge of their seats listening. We're having an amazing, incredible time. They're growing. We've got a bunch of happy, just good, solid group. And I am so thankful for the way that 180 is going. So praise God. But all that comes through stretching, folks. It takes people, volunteers, taking their time. It takes men and women who are willing to pray, people who are willing to step out of their comfort zone, even the girl that raised her hand and started the question and answer thing. Somebody had to get uncomfortable. Somebody had to stretch. So praise God for that. It always makes room for growth. And I wanted to announce to you this morning, too, that we have uh, found a youth pastor since we're talking about 180, and we've got their picture there. I wanted to just show them to you real quick. Keith and Cassie, they're going to be here in a couple of weeks, and I'm still going to be involved with 180 for a season, and then I'm going to have to slack off a little bit in my involvement. We're, we're going to help them out. We've got their Facebook on there if you want to write that down, and you want to go check them out on Facebook and just really creep them out because they don't know you, and you could just really mess with their heads right now, and it'd be a lot of fun, and, uh, or, or follow them on Twitter right there, so you can write those things down, and uh, they'll be here in just a couple of weeks for you guys to meet them and hug them and love on them, and thank you guys so much for the way that you welcome welcomed my family and I to this church. You guys were absolutely incredible. Um, You made us feel like we were at home, no problem at all. And I pray that you guys do the same with Keith and Cassie when they come, just welcome them. So it's it's a stretch though. Whenever someone moves, whenever someone changes, you know, uh, where they're living, when someone makes a life impacting decision, whenever someone raises their hand, whenever someone steps out, what are they doing? They're making room for growth. They're stretching themselves beyond what is comfortable. And let me tell you guys, For us to go where God has for us to go and to be the men and women and the church that he's called us to be, it's going to take some stretching. 
So we've got a stretch on the foundations this morning. We're going to talk about stretching the truth. Stretching the truth. Yeah, right. (laughs) You guys are listening. That's good. We're going to talk about being stretched by the truth this morning, not stretching the truth. We're going to be talking about being stretched by the truth because the truth stretches you. It's not always comfortable. It's not always what you want to hear. And you're laughing now. But you may not be laughing in a little while because the truth is sometimes hard to hear. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is truth, not just the parts of it that I choose to accept. Oh, preacher, preach. I said the Word of God is truth, just not the part that I choose to accept. You can get all your little crinkle-cut scissors out and your little you know, scrapbook collection, and you can sit there and cut and paste and make your own little version of the Bible, but that's not how this works. The Word of God is absolute truth. But we live in a world that doesn't believe that. And so you're hearing this propaganda being spewed all over the television every day, that truth is relative, truth is what you make it. Different people have different versions of truth, and everybody can adhere to their own version of truth and be okay. It's this mentality of you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. And that's what everybody thinks. There's no common denominator. There's no foundation as to which we can all base our lives upon. It's just whatever you feel like, whatever feels good, whatever is comfortable for you. It's just relative. And and it's not something that that offends. And it's not something that is going to draw any real line in the sand. We want to be comfortable with truth. And we reject anything that stretches us beyond what we have grown to like and what we have grown to accept. We push it away. We reject anything, that's what the world is trying to teach us to do, anything that's uncomfortable, anything we don't like, you just don't have to deal with it. Just reject it. That's exactly what the Jews did with Jesus whenever he said, I'm the Messiah. They said, "Uh uh-uh. They rejected him because they didn't like the way he came. They didn't like the way that he did things. You see, their, their king was supposed to come with, uh, descending from the clouds with a sword in his hand and with a big crown on his head, and he was supposed to hit the ground like a superhero. And out of the smoke and the dust, he was going to rise forth. I am the Messiah. I'm here to set you free from the Roman oppressors. Yeah, I went to go see the Avengers, and it was awesome. (laughs) But we've got, they had this vision of how Jesus was supposed to be, and it didn't work out like that. So what do we do now? You see, Jesus didn't come descending from the clouds with a crown and a sword and being a man of war. He was a baby born to a lady that claimed to be a virgin, and they had him in a place where they feed and keep animals. That's where the Savior of the world's coming from? I don't like that, so I'm going to reject that. They rejected truth from the very beginning because they couldn't accept it the way it was presented. They didn't like it. That's the very same thing that happens in my life and in your life. Whenever something comes our way that we don't like our way, it may be truth. It may be absolute. It may be straight from the word of God. But if we don't like it, we push it away and and we reject it. You see, we even live under this notion that Jesus was this way, that Jesus was all like politically correct and stuff. We live under this notion that Jesus, he's blue-eyed and smiling. And he came and sat on a rock and said, 
Come here, little children. Come unto me while I change my sandals and put my cardigan on. <laughs> it's a beautiful day in Jerusalem. <laughs> and he's got his iPod hooked up and he's listening to REM. Shiny, happy people holding hands. He's walking around flashing peace signs to everybody. And that's this image that we have of how Jesus was. Now, I want you to get something, though, about Jesus. I want to show you something in John. So if you've got your Bible, turn to the book of John. And the very first chapter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, page 1,444, John chapter 1, and verse 14. Check this out. It says, and the word... Somebody say the word. word. Say like you're from the hood. The word. The word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, John here is writing about Jesus. Jesus came and was the word made flesh. What is the word of God? The word of God is absolute. We've already established that, right? The Word of God is absolute. Now, the Bible says right here that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the Word of God is literally the spoken will of God. You know, everything that Jesus did, he did it on purpose, for a purpose. He wasn't just doing anything randomly or happenstance. Every word Jesus spoke was intentional. He knew everything he was going to say. He knew the confrontations he was going to have to have. He knew the heartbreaks that were to come. And he spoke everything and went through every step knowing what was going to happen because he was the word, the absolute truth in action. Jesus was actively walking, talking, living, breathing absolute truth. He didn't know anything else because it's what he is. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is absolute truth made flesh. So that's what you and I need to grab out of this is that Jesus is absolute truth. That means whenever we read the words of Jesus, absolute truth has been declared. Every time. Jesus didn't make a mistake. Do you believe that? I believe that. Everything he did was on purpose for a purpose. Everything he said was on purpose for a purpose. So that means every word that Jesus spoke was absolute truth. Everything Jesus did, how he conducted himself, how he interacted uh, between other people, everything was declaring absolute truth. How we should handle interactions, confrontations, everything that Jesus did, everything he said was absolute truth in action because the word was made flesh. Jesus was the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Absolute truth was made flesh and dwelt among us. So, what does that have to do with anything? Well, we've got this idea. Shiny, happy people, Jesus. Peace signs and cardigans and sandals and trolleys. Sorry. We've got this idea of Jesus. But if we believe Jesus was absolute truth... And I don't have to look any further than Jesus to see absolute truth in action. That's, then let's look at Jesus real quick. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 12. Now what's happening here, I'm going to set this up for you before we read the scripture. 
In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is in a confrontation with the religious leaders of that day. And those religious leaders have come to him and they have said, Jesus, this guy is casting out demons, but he's doing it through the power of a demon. He's possessed with demons himself and that's how he's casting out devils by a devil. And so this is Jesus refuting them and speaking publicly about the accusations. And let me tell you folks, he wasn't changing sandals and putting on a cardigan then. Matthew 12 and 34, Jesus said, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus called those guys a brood of vipers. A brood is an offspring. He's saying, you sons of snakes. That's what Jesus is saying. He's going, you guys are sons of snakes because of what you're doing. You're speaking lies to the people. You're evil. Now, everything Jesus said was for a purpose, on purpose, and it was always absolute truth. Hmm. That's not blue-eyed, smiling, iPod, peace sign Jesus. Brood of vipers, sons of snakes. That's, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Now, well, yeah, but that was those religious leaders. Well, flip over a couple of pages to Matthew chapter 16. I'll show you another instance where absolute truth was in action. Matthew 16 and verse 23, here, here's what, what's happening here is that, is that Jesus is with his disciples. And Peter, which is a disciple that Jesus just really believes in and really loves and thinks he's just awesome. He loves Peter. He, he's been with him throughout his whole ministry. Peter's been here. And Jesus is telling him, listen, guys, absolute truth is about to speak. Jesus says to him, absolute truth says, I say, the word became flesh, says to you that I'm going to have to die. And, Jesus, and then Peter stood up and he said, no, you ain't. I'm going to kill whoever tries to mess with you. I'm not going to let that happen. And then Jesus says to his very own, absolute truth is about to speak. Check this out, what he says in verse 23. He turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> hey, you guys want to go out to eat after service? And I'll say, get behind me, Satan. I'm first in that buffet line. <laughs> We're not going to be friends very long if I talk to you like that. Je but Jesus, absolute truth has spoken. Absolute truth has just said to his friend, get behind me, Satan, you're an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but you're more mindful of the things of men. In other words, what he was telling Peter is that absolute truth has spoken and said, I've got to die, and that's the end of it. If I said I've got to die, that means I've got to die. You, you can't do anything about it, and if you try to get in my way, then you're of Satan because my will is going to be accomplished. Because when I speak, absolute truth is declared because I'm the Word made flesh, and you better get used to it. He didn't say, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. He said, I'm about to die. Get behind me, Satan. Whew. Man, that's heavy stuff. You see, now Jesus did speak words of encouragement, words of faith and love, and all of our daily devotionals that we read that make us smile and giggle, and all of these things that we enjoy, that make us feel good. And there's nothing wrong with stuff that makes you feel good. There's nothing wrong with things that make you encouraged, and it's all probably truth. But let me tell you something, folks. It's really easy to get addicted to looking at truth through rose-colored glasses and only seeing the truth of the Word being something that is easy to swallow and something that's nice that makes me feel good. Sometimes truth doesn't feel good. Sometimes truth hurts, and sometimes truth stretches you. Amen? And if you don't believe me, look at the life of Jesus because he's the word made flesh. He is absolute truth. And absolute truth just didn't go around telling everybody about how great everything was going to be. Absolute truth declared to these people that, listen, 
there's some changes that got to be made. Listen, Peter, you got to stop listening to your flesh. You got to stop listening to what you want and your will and your desire. You better start listening to me and what I said because I've already declared it and spoken it. Get this. Just because something is hard to hear doesn't mean it's not truth. Mm. Think about that for a minute. There's a fortune cookie for you. Just because something is hard to hear doesn't mean that it's not truth. Truth is absolute, amen? Truth is Jesus. Truth is Jesus. Truth is that. You know, our minds, we, we get these ideas of how things should be and we reason away to how we think that things should go and whenever they don't go that way, we reject truth even though it may be declared by Jesus himself, even though it may be from the word of God, absolute truth, we reject it and we get these ideas of how things are supposed to be. But understand this, and I want you to write this down. This is your third point this morning. I want you to get this. You need to always be willing to give up what you believe for the truth. You always need to be willing to give up what you believe for the truth. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Pastor. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times, a lot of us have grown up under ideas of misbelief. We've got wrong ways of thinking. We've had wrong ways of teaching. The things that are being shoved down our throats by mainstream media that would want us just to think that you're okay, I'm okay, everybody's okay, let's all just hold hands and sing, and that's not how it works. There's got to be an absolute. There's got to be a line in the sand. There's got to be somebody that'll stand up for what's right and somebody that'll stand up for the truth even if they're persecuted for it. It's easy to go along with what everybody else says. It's easy to go along with, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. It's hard to stand up sometimes in the face of, of a world that doesn't understand and say that Jesus is the only way. I remember I was talking to somebody one time a couple years back, and um, they made this statement. They said, we were talking about some political things, and they said, well, you know, you, got, you, you just got to love everybody. I said, well, that's true. You do, you do have to love everybody. But what they meant is you have to accept everything that everybody does, and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay that, that you, you know, you're okay, they're okay, we're all okay, and that's what this person told me. And I told this person, I said, that's not how it works. Because they didn't understand. They had a friend that was a Muslim, and they said, well, you know, they're okay. They've got their own way of believing, and they've got their own, you know, way of, to get to God. That's what Oprah wants to tell us, is that all roads lead to God, that everybody finds God in a different way. And let me tell you, folks, that's not right. If nobody else will say it, I will. I said it's not right. How do you know that, Pastor Derek? Because you're so smart? No, because I know what God's word says. What did his word say? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Whew. It's hard. That's heavy. We can amen that. It's hard. It's heavy. But whenever you're put in that situation, what are you going to do when you're stretched with truth that's uncomfortable? What are you going to do whenever you're stretched with something that you're facing and all of a sudden the word of God comes and hits you like a ton of bricks and is requiring change out of you and you reject it? What are you going to do during that time? What are you going to do whenever you're faced with it? You've always got to be willing to give up what you believe for the truth. You see, some people believe that a good God wouldn't send people to hell. But the Bible says that if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, if he hasn't made you new, you don't belong to him. 
And it's sad, and it's unfortunate, but it's true. Nobody wants to amen there. Few people do. You see, it's hard to say things like that. It's hard to say things and swallow that because we all want to be politically correct. We're so consumed with everyone's opinion of us and not wanting to offend anyone. When Jesus called the religious leaders of that day sons of snakes, I don't think he was worried about what they thought about him. Just, just a thought there. And not that we go around calling everybody sons of snakes and we go around putting people down. That's not what we go around doing. But we do stand up for the truth and we do stand up for what's right. And we do understand what truth is. And whenever truth is presented to us, what we do with that truth is going to make or break what we do in life. You see, sometimes we define truth by our natural mind and our natural reason. We like to reason truth. In other words, if it makes sense to us, then I'll believe that. So it's almost like you're sitting, up, you're sitting in your chair and you're almost like judging the words that I'm saying that are from God's word and you're deciding whether or not you want to believe them or not. That's kind of what that means by human reasoning. You're sitting there going, hmm, you know, he said the Bible says this. Well, I don't know. That's what human reasoning does. It wants to filter truth through my, my opinion and my likes and dislikes. And, and then if I like it, then I'll go, yeah, I'll choose to believe it. And oftentimes we choose to believe the very things that we don't struggle with. Somebody's preaching about something we have no issue with, amen. Woo, preacher, preacher, come on, that was a good sermon. But then all of a sudden somebody starts getting their hand in your cookie jar and you're going, amen, amen, oh, mm, mm, mm. Everybody wants to hear sermons of encouragement. Everybody wants to hear the pastor say, God's plan for your life is better than whatever you could come up with. Say it with me, church. God's plan is better than whatever. Everybody's, amen. Come on, pastor. But then whenever it's time to hear a hard truth that says, you know what? Sometimes truth is easy. Sometimes it's easy to digest and swallow. But what about those times that stretch us beyond what's comfortable that isn't easy to hear, but yet it's still true? Are we going to go amen or are we going to go, oh, me? It's hard, but it stretches us. And what happens whenever you're stretched? Make room for growth. Whenever we're stretched by the truth, we always make room for growth. So we've got to stop reasoning in our minds whether or not we choose to believe this or not. I like this. Yep, amen, amen. Whoa. I don't know about that. Let me think about it. There's nothing to think about. You understand what I'm saying this morning? If Jesus is absolute, if his word is absolute, if his word declares something, there's nothing to think about. Now, is that word meant to condemn us? No, it's meant to challenge us and sharpen us and make us grow and make us better. And he gives us his mercy and his grace to help us to grow during those times because none of us are perfect. But we have God's mercy and we have God's grace that allows us to apply the truth. You see, here's what people think sometimes. Some people are on this extreme over here. They say, you know what? I believe that God is mad at me, that he hates me, that he doesn't want anything to do with me, that he just thinks I'm just dirty and rotten and I'm filthy and, and I'm no good and he doesn't love me. He's waiting behind every corner to smack me with a Louisville slugger because he's so mad at me and they don't understand grace. But then 
You got people on this side that say, oh, God's grace is so big, and it doesn't matter what I do. It's like a sin credit card. I can just go out and swipe, 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 and then I go, Jesus, forgive me, and it's like it pays the bill and washes it white as snow. And so you've got people in both camps that think sin is okay. We can sin. We can sin. You got people in other camps that think I'm not good enough. I'm terrible. And that's, they've chosen to believe these things. They've chosen to believe these things based on these misbeliefs. God is good. God is bad. And we've got these different misconceptions of God. And whenever we hear his word preached, a lot of times we choose not to accept it because it's not an easy thing to accept. But we've always got to be willing to give up what we believe for the truth and stop reasoning this in our minds. Because here's the thing. In John 4 and 24, the Bible says that God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is spirit. So with that being said, God doesn't think in human. God doesn't speak in human. God doesn't relate in human to the sense where we do. He doesn't reason and make decisions in human. He thinks in spirit because he is spirit. The Bible says God is spirit. Now, you and I are human, right? You and I think in human, and we reason in human. The difference is, is that whenever we come to Christ, God's spirit moves on the inside of us and makes things new. And now we have an opportunity to think in spirit. And now we can think like God thinks. How? How do you know the thoughts of God? How do you know the mind of God? Can any man know the mind of God? Yes, he gave us 66 books of it right here to understand his character, understand his values, understand who he is and what he wants to do in us and through us. And whenever I begin to open his word, I begin to see the character of God, and it begins to renew my human reasoning, and it begins to help me to think in spirit. Because that's how God wants me to think. God wants me to think like he thinks. I think in sin, in carnality. I think in selfishness. I think in, you know, whatever's going to please me and make me happy. That's, that's human. And I reason it in human. And whenever I hear truth, truth goes through the human filter. But whenever I have God's spirit on the inside of me and I hear with my spiritual ears and I'm hearing with my spirit of God that lives on the inside of me, all of a sudden his word becomes alive to me because it's shaping my character, it's shaping my values, it's shaping the foundation of who I am, the foundation of what I make decisions on and how I conduct myself and how I walk and how I trust and how I have faith and how I believe. His word shapes all of those things and it's not tainted or corrupted by human reasoning or human emotion. It's void of all of that stuff and it's just the character and the heart of God. We've gotta understand that even though our spirit is renewed when we're saved, that our human reasoning is still with us. But it's our choice whether or not we want to renew our minds to think like God wants us to think. As a matter of fact, I want to show you this in Scripture. God laid this, everything I'm telling you out. This isn't just some crazy thing I had and I just started writing all these crazy notes. I'll show you in Romans chapter 1. I want you to turn there. I want you to read this with me. If you brought your Bible this morning, turn over to Romans, Romans chapter 1. Excuse me for a minute. Talk amongst yourselves. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. 
It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? They suppress the what? Truth in unrighteousness. What do they do? They suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them because God has shown it to them. In other words, they know the truth, they know what's right, but they choose to suppress it. They suppress the truth even though they've heard it, even though they know it. I've got to wear my glasses. I'm sorry. I put those on the piano like I wasn't going to wear them. It's really weird to take off my glasses and put them back on, take them off, put them on. (laughs) Anyways. Thanks for that. Yep. I love it. All right. It says right here in verse 18 that these unrighteous men suppress the truth and unrighteousness even though what is known of God is manifest in them. Wow. They know what's right, but they suppress it. They have that conviction of the Holy Spirit trying to draw them to repentance and trying to draw them to the truth and set them free from their sin, but they choose to suppress the truth because of their unrighteousness. In verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the Godhead. They're without excuse. His Godhead is clearly seen. They're without excuse. He said, and and check this out, because they knew God, but they did not glorify him as God. They weren't thankful, and they became futile in their hearts, and their hearts, their foolish hearts, were darkened. It said they did not glorify him as God. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now here's what happened. They suppressed the truth Even though they knew what the truth was, they suppressed it. They chose to ignore absolute truth. And they said they're wise. Oh, we're wise, so what we're going to do is we're going to suppress the truth and create our own version of truth. So the incorruptible God, the incorruptible Word of God, we're going to tailor our own version because He's he's been made manifest to us and we're aware of Him, but we're going to create our own version of it. We're going to change the glory of a God that's incorruptible into an image that I like, like a corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. In other words, I'm going to make my own version of truth. I'm going to make my own version of worship. I'm going to make my own version of what I choose to believe. That's why you can have so many people saying so many different things about major sin issues in the world today. And there's Christians that are standing up for things that the Bible clearly says we should not have any part of, that they stand up and they say, well, you know, it's, it's okay because this really means this and, and, and this really means that. And, and we begin to make all of these excuses. And what we're doing is we're suppressing truth and crafting our own version of it that's more politically correct. Because we think for some reason that if we attain political correctness that we can reach people. If you obtain political correctness, you can get people to like you. But that's about as far as you get. Are you going to see hearts change and lives change? Are you going to see people, see people set free? No. You see, God says because of this, God gave them up to uncleanliness. In the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Says that they worship the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. They worship their creation, they worship their version of the truth instead of the absolute truth of God. 
They gave up what was true and they accepted a lie. And for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the, nature, the, the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. They're backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, discerning, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not um, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You see, guys, what's happening here is this suppressing of the truth. And all of these things listed here are a result of suppressing the truth. You know, some of these like major sin issues were like, you know, well, I can accept truth on those because, you know, I may not struggle with some of these major sin issues you're, you're naming here. You know, the things we don't like to talk about, you know. Like, shh. But, you know, I mean, really, you're going to categorize some of that stuff with like, whispering and gossiping and backbiting really i mean come on i mean i don't gossip i just i just tell the truth nobody in here has ever said that though i mean that's people down the road right no we've all done this and and these things are a result of us suppressing the truth of us hearing what's right and choosing to ignore it and pushing it away Here's the danger in that. Suppressing or altering the truth dilutes the power of God's word and turns it into our effort to live by human reasoning. It's like we want to take the parts of God's word, of his absolute truth, and water it down to where everybody can be on an even playing field and everybody can be happy and everybody can be nice and friendly to each other and nobody has to really deal with any issues in our lives. We never have to be stretched We can just go on doing our own thing. But the danger in that is it dilutes the power of God's word. Some of the principles may be true. You know, even the world understands, those who aren't saved even understand good, being a good person. Christianity isn't just about being a good person. Maybe you didn't know that. Christianity isn't just about being a good person. It's about serving God with your every fiber of your being, with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, giving him everything, serving him and being obedient to him and living your life to please him. You see, it takes us understanding that the power of God is what changes a life. The power of God is what sets people free from captivity, from bondage, from fear, from addiction, from worry, from hurt, from pain. It's the power of God that brings us to a place where we can truly walk in freedom. But sometimes for us to walk in that power of God, we've got to be stretched beyond what is comfortable. And that's not popular preaching, but it's true. All right then. You know, Paul was writing to a guy named Timothy 
in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he talked about this. And he said that the time that you and I would be alive in the earth, he said this was going to be going on and it was going to escalate. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul said this. He said, Know this, Timothy, that in the last days perilous times, they're going to come. For men are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power and from such people stay away. He said this too. He, he said these kind of people are the ones, they're, they're these type. They, they creep into households and they make captives of people that are gullible. These gullible women that are loaded down with sins. They're led away by various lusts and they're always learning. They're always learning, but they're never able to come to that knowledge of the truth. In other words, it's all just up here in their head, but they can never apply it because they're suppressing the truth. They've got a form of godliness, but they don't have any power. People ask me all the time, you know, Pastor, where's the Mark 16 and, and 15 miracles where Jesus said that, that we would, in, in his name, we would be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, that people would know we're his disciples because they're seeing all these great miracles and they see all of the power of God in people's lives and they're seeing hearts being changed, they're seeing lives being transformed by the word of God, by the power of God. Where are those things at? Where are they at? Let me tell you. I'll tell you where it's at. It's because for too long, people have been surprised the truth of the word of God and they've been exchanging absolute truth for a watered down version. Pat me on the back, make me feel good on Sunday morning and don't tell me about anything I need to change or stretch in my life because I just want to be told that I'm okay. That's why the power of God isn't working in people's lives because we've suppressed it. We have got a form of where we wear the label and the tag of being a Christian and a follower of Christ, but we don't have the evidence of his power working in our lives because we suppress the truth because whenever we hear the truth, we say, mm -mm, not today. Stay over there, truth. I'm good with my version of Jesus, Jesus 2.0. I don't want to hear about that over there because that's requiring me to be stretched. That's requiring me to be challenged. That's requiring me to change. And I want somebody else to do it for me. And I don't want to take any responsibility, so I'm going to suppress it and push it away. And I just, when I'm uncomfortable, I can't wait to get up out of my seat and just run out the door so I don't have to think about it anymore. And I suppress the truth and I craft and create my own version that I'm comfortable with and I have a form of godliness and it looks godly to everybody else because we can put on a pretty good show but we don't have any of his power working in our lives. We don't have the integrity, the passion, the, the, the anointing, the different things working in our lives that we need to be seeing happening in the lives of people because it's, it's the anointing of God, the power of God that breaks the yokes, that sets the captives free. It's the truth of God's word that has the power in it that can set those that have been suppressed, that have been oppressed, that have been possessed, it can set them free. It can set you free from fear. It can set you free from worry. It can set you free from anger and bondage. It can set you free from anything that's holding you back. But you've got to stop suppressing the truth. And you've got to take your hands off. And you've got to say, you know, that's hard to hear. And you've got to understand that truth is not always easy because Jesus is absolute truth and he wasn't always easy. Sometimes he was hard. Sometimes it was a difficult thing to hear, even from someone like Peter who got called Satan. 
by the creator of the universe. I mean, if you call me Satan, I don't care. But if God made flesh, Messiah calls me Satan, everything he says is absolute truth. <laughs> what do you do with that? That hurts. A lot of us would get offended and mad and leave Jesus' little group. I'm just not going to hang out with Jesus no more. He called me the devil. Hmm. But every word he spoke was absolute truth. And Peter was a big enough man that he understood when absolute truth was hard, it was still worth sticking with him because there's something about Jesus that I need in my life. It's that he's absolute. It said he's absolute. You've got to understand that stretching ourselves to hear, to understand and apply the truth is going to set us free to see God's power working in our lives. It's going to set us free to see God's power working in our lives. How do we do it, pastor? I need to know you're talking about all this stuff and this is a heavy message. Yeah, it's a heavy message. You think it's easy to preach this kind of stuff? It's just as hard for me to say it as it is for you to hear it. But does it make it any less true? Of course it doesn't. I need to quit my job as a pastor. I need to resign from the ministry if I'm unwilling to speak these things. Because this is the unadulterated, uncorruptible word of God. It's not Derek's idea. It's not Derek's philosophy. This is not you coming to my psychology class. This is the word of God and it's true. And if it's in there, let me tell you, I am one pastor that will always speak the truth even when it's hard to hear and when it's hard to say. Some people may not like it. It may be hard. It's hard for me because I'm hearing it too because I'm not up on this stage going, I'm so better than everyone else. Not at all. We're all in the same boat together. We're all on a journey together trying to grow in our relationship with God. And guess what? I'm being stretched too. We're all being stretched but it's what you do when that pressure's on. What are you going to do? Are you going to suppress it or are you going to go, yes, Lord, I know it's hard, but I'm going to stretch out even though it's uncomfortable. I know you've told me to do this. You've told me to start doing this or you've told me to stop doing this. I need to get out of this situation or that situation. It's hard, but I know that it's worth it in the end. And you'll be able to make those tough decisions. You'll be able to make those hard calls because you are more convicted about what is right and what God has told you and what God has said because you know he's spoken absolute truth to you. And you're not worried about being politically correct or winning some kind of humanitarian award. You're trying to serve God and please Him. And if man celebrates me, wonderful. If man talks about how great I am, that's great. But that's not who I'm trying to please. If they drag me through the mud or if they celebrate me through the streets, either way, I don't care. Because it's my job to live according to the Word of God. Amen? Because I've got to make the decision that it's absolute truth. It's uncorruptible, absolute truth. That's what Jesus was. That's what he is. Amen. <laughs> Somebody must have dropped their Tic Tac box or something. I don't know. How do we do this? In Romans chapter 12, I'll show you how we do it. Romans chapter 12 in verse 1, 
says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It says you're going to be changed. You're going to be stretched. You're going to be transformed by renewing your mind. In other words, you stop thinking in human and you start thinking like God. You renew your mind to his word because his word is absolute truth. You allow his word to become the way you think. How do you do that? You get into it. You begin to seek to read it, to understand, to apply it to your life. And whenever you're confronted with something that's hard, you don't reject it. You accept it because you say God's word is truth and I accept it in my life and I'm going to apply it in my life even if it's a hard thing. If it's something that makes me do backflips down the aisle and scream and shout and go hallelujah or if it's something that makes me go... No matter what it is, I apply it because I know it's right and I don't suppress it and I don't make my own version of truth. I stand up for what is right because I believe that God's word is true. Amen? And you know why it's true? Because God made it true. Not because you believed it. Everybody in this room could say, well, I don't believe that it's true. But you know what? That doesn't change the fact that it's true. Tell you a quick story before we go this morning. I ran into absolute truth a couple of months ago. I was coming back from a conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was in Illinois, almost across that Wisconsin state line. And it's about two o'clock in the morning. I've been driving for about twenty hours, got my kids asleep in the back of the van. My wife and I are in the van. And we're about, we're about home. We're, we can see the Wisconsin state line and oh the cheese and the dairy air never smelled so good. <laughs> We couldn't wait to cross that line and be back in our home state. But you know, as we were in Illinois, I was really anxious to get home. And I got introduced to someone that decided to stop and have a chat with me for a few minutes. It's about two in the morning. And, and he gave me some literature from their state. He autographed it. And he handed it to me. And he, he showed it to me. And he even told me to, to have a nice day and to be careful and to slow down. He gave me some helpful advice. He even wrote down some of those directions of how I had violated some of that, and he was trying to encourage me not to do so. You know, I ran into absolute truth because that sign that said 55 was absolute truth, and when that officer stopped me, he began to tell me what absolute truth was, and I had to learn You know, now a lot of us, we get back in the car and we just hope we don't get caught. And so we would do the same thing again, even in the same spot before, you know, maybe we would still put the pedal to the metal because we keep suppressing absolute truth. We just hope we don't get caught. We hope we don't have to deal with absolute truth. And that's how a lot of us treat the word of God. We we, we just want to run away from it and suppress it. And, and, you know, I don't want to have to deal with that. As long as I don't get caught, I'm okay because I can have this form of godliness and still be okay. Let me tell you, folks, we can't, we, we can't roll that way anymore. We can't walk that way anymore. It's time for us to stand up and be people of absolute truth who believe in the Word of God and who live it out. Amen? Amen. And we say, God, stretch us, even when it's uncomfortable. You see, so here's what I want to ask you this morning. How do you handle those moments whenever you're stretched? Do you say amen, or do you go, oh, me? How do you handle it? Are you going to suppress it? Are you going to reject it? Are you going to try to handle it in your own strength? Are you going to ignore it? What are you going to do with it? How far are you willing to be stretched to live for Christ? 
How, how far are you willing to be stretched to be that man or woman of God that God's created you to be? How far are you willing to be stretched to have the marriage God wants you to have? How far are you willing to be stretched to be the mom and dad that you need to be for your kids? How far are you willing to be stretched to be that man or woman of destiny that God has called you to be? How far are you willing to be stretched to see growth in your own life? How uncomfortable are you willing to be? How far are you willing to be stretched when you're confronted with truth? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You've heard a hard word today and a challenging word, and I pray that it encourages you and motivates you to grab a hold of truth and hold on to the truth of God's word. How you respond when you hear something like this or whenever you read something like this in the word of God or you hear a preacher say something or you go to a Bible study and someone says something that's hard, how far are you willing to go to be stretched? Because every time you stretch, you're making room for growth. And God wants to grow you, but you've got to be willing to be stretched. You've got to stop fighting with God. You've got to stop wrestling with God. And I believe that there's some people in this room today that have been fighting with God and wrestling with God because you haven't really given Him control of your life. You haven't really given Him your heart. And maybe you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I'm tired of wrestling with God. I'm ready to really make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to really give Him my life and make it more than just a prayer. Make it more than just a Sunday morning because Sunday morning's not enough to keep me going. I've got to be with Him day in and day out. I've got to have that relationship with him to know him to grow with him to learn to love him and trust him more and more every day to learn his character to learn who he is i've got to be stretched beyond what is comfortable whether it's something i need to start or whether it's something i need to stop i want to stretch to make room for growth because i believe god has good things for me if that's you and you're in this place today and you said I, I i'm wrestling with god and i'm tired of it i'm ready to give my heart to jesus christ or maybe you have said a prayer before but it's time for you to get real it's time for you to get serious it's time for you to make that decision and say, you know what, I'm not going back. I'm ready to move forward in my life. If that's you, just simply let me know you're here by putting your hand up and putting it right back down. I see those hands. I see those hands on the side. I see that hand. You can put your hands down. Anybody else in this place? I don't want to miss anybody. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know you're here so I can be praying for you. I see that hand. Thank you. Church, would you say this prayer with me this morning? Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I confess you with my mouth that you're my Lord and Savior and that I'm ready to get serious with you. I believe that what you did on the cross was good enough to save me. So please, God, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Make me in right relationship with you. I accept you as my Lord and the leader of my life. I give control to you. And I say, not my will, but your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you so much for coming. Are you glad you came to church today? Some of you are like, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad you came today because let me tell you, if you'll take this word and you'll apply it to your life.